you may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. of old, the world was full of wonder and magic. But times change. I'm a mighty warrior! Morning, Mom! Hey, birthday boy! By the laws of yore, I must dub thee a man today. Kneel before me. That's okay. I have a gift from your dad. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16. No way! It's a wizard staff. Dad was a wizard. What? Your dad was an accountant. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, Dad will be back. What? Back? Like back to life? That's not possible. It is with this. I'm gonna meet Dad. Part. Oh, what did I do? Hi. We only have 24 hours to bring the rest of him back. Until then, ta-da! Oh, that's great. Dad, you look just like I remember. You got a problem, Shade? We have a full tank. No, that doesn't work. Growth spell! We grow the can, and then the gas inside will grow with it. Oh! Elbows up! Quite a focus here! Focus! Focus! It worked! The can is huge! And the van is huge! And you're... Oh, no. Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Presto! <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hey, this is Chip Foose, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Rock on. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google, Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamBuildersports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, 477, 478, 479, I'm not sure exactly where, just under 500, really close to 500. Don't forget to check out our archive page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, welcome, guys. I should say welcome race fans because there's like a whole bunch of races coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, starting with the St. Pete Grand Prix, which is the 13th through the 15th in downtown St. Petersburg in our own backyard. It's been here for a long, long, long time. And uh, and then, of course, the th- <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> wow, I hate it when that happens. Um, the last uh, second third week in uh, March is the 12 hour of Sebring. Man, I'll tell you what, I didn't even know it, but last weekend, apparently, there was a race down in uh, in the Sebring, and it was to commemorate the very first Trans Am race that took place in 1966, which apparently took place at Sebring. Now, I, as a motorsports 
quasi-historian should have known that. And I should have checked my calendar, but I was in the middle of another project right now, and I forgot about that. But there were some pretty cool cars there. Namely, I think they had uh, Jochen Rindt, one of my favorite drivers, Austrian race car driver, uh, who used to come over here and race Trans Am in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s, and he raced in 1966, and he was driving an Alfa Romeo GTV. By the way, a big shout-out to my good buddies over there at the Alfa Club locally. And uh, talk about a really cool car, the 65 to 74 GTVs, the little scoop. What a cool little ride those things are. A friend of mine over in Tampa has got a real slick piece. Uh, it's a 1300, but I think he's got the late model motor in it. It's all tricked out, single headlight car, just really stunning. If you get a chance, look up 65 to 73 Alfa Romeo GTVs, wicked little cars. Okay, they used to go out there and run against the Datsuns, the 510s, and the uh, BMW 2002s, and some of the other you know sports GT cars back in the day. But anyway, so but they this car qualified for GT uh, for a Trans Am, and of course I think they had uh, a number of uh, Trans Am Mustangs, and and uh, Bob Tullius actually raced a uh, Plymouth Barracuda. And uh, just some pretty amazing cars. And I would have really liked to have gone to that. I'm going to do some research about it. Maybe I'll get somebody on it that was involved in it. Probably our good friend, uh, um, uh, Ken Breslauer from Sebring. And because uh, he's uh, like the historian. In fact, we had it on a couple times last year because he also did a special book on, uh, on uh, roadside, um, scenic roadside uh, attractions uh, in Florida back in the day so that was pretty cool too he actually wrote some books on it and we had him on talking about that so pretty interesting stuff and um hey look nostalgia's in you know those of us that are baby boomers that grew up here in the 50s and 60s and 70s well i didn't get here until the 70s but you know the 50s 60s and 70s had some pretty cool stuff you know because people were traveling cars were cool pretty neat stuff out of the 50s really neat stuff a lot of cool cars out of the 60s and obviously the 70s and then of course in the late 70s everything just kind of went up you know and that was the end of that uh, the big event coming up here this coming next weekend is the Amelia Island, the 25th silver anniversary of the Amelia Island Concourse. And I'm just like really excited to be there because uh, Bill Warner's done an excellent job. He's got some pretty amazing cars. If you get a chance, Google AmeliaIsland.org. I think I said that right. I'm going to let me check with my son because he'll correct me real quick on uh, what's it called? AmeliaIsland.org. And you can find out all the cool stuff's going on. Now, Friday, I mean, there's a number of auctions going on. Bottom's going to be there. Roos is going to be there. Gooding's going to be there. RM's going to be there. And I think that is it this year. And um, Bottom's is on Thursday. Gooding's is on Friday. And I think maybe Saturday. And RM is either Friday or Saturday. And Russo is, I think, uh, Thursday evening or something like that. And uh, but all, all these auctions are a lot of fun. Okay, I mean, if nothing else, if you don't buy anything, just go f- just look at the cool cars. Because I used to take issue with this, but it's true, especially Meekums in Kissimmee. It really is. It's a an ama- absolutely amazing car show. The thing that I like about some of them, particularly Meekums, in that particular in his case, is because he's got so many cars. I mean, like we had. He had close to 4,000 cars, 35, 3,600 cars this year. But the thing is, is some really weird stuff shows up. Factory, and I'm a thing, I have a thing for four-speed transmissions, okay? So, for example, he'll show up with a car that's like a 66 Chevrolet Biscayne station wagon with a 427 and a four-speed in it. A 68 uh, Ford Galaxy with a 428 and, a, and an automatic. A 69 Mercury Marauder with a four-speed in it. You know, just weird stuff like that. Where else are you going to see that? 73 Grand Pontiac Grand Am, 455 four-speed. I think 76 was the last year for Force Week. Speaking of Trans Ams and Firebirds and stuff like that, we got two special guests coming on this evening. Both of them are involved or have a little uh, interesting things, uh, connections with Trans Ams. And one gentleman has, uh, in particular, a boat that is very, very special, and that is the original Miami Vice 38-foot Scarab KV. And uh, Miami Vice was just a really cool show back in the day, in the 80s. And it kind of started a trend. You know, it's kind of like pop culture. You know, the Trans Am, the smoking the bandit Trans Am. Pop culture, iconic car. I mean, there is no other fire chicken out there that uh, has the status and the stature that that car has. You know, granted, they used like in in, uh, in the movie Mac Q. At one point, I had a 73 uh, Pontiac Trans Am Brewster Green. Uh, that was the one that John Wayne drove in that movie. That was cool. In fact, the only reason I went to see the movie was two reasons. One, John Wayne. Second, because he was driving a Trans Am. Uh, David Carradine drove a uh, Trans Am. I think uh, Thunderfoot and Lightfoot, there was a Trans Am in that movie. There's a lot of Trans Ams. But 
And then, of course, Kit, which, you know, the third-gen Camaros and Firebirds, you know, who cares? They're just like, who cares? Anyway, but the, the, the first-gen are okay, but the second-gen Camaros and Firebirds really came on strong. I mean, they built those things for a decade, you know. So, uh, but the 77 Trans Am, the black and gold Trans Am, a.k.a. Bandit car, they were originally special edition, limited editions. In fact, when Rick comes on the show, he can explain it in detail, okay. And uh, um, pop culture, 70s. The Miami Bite Boat Scarab KV. I mean, I was even caught up in it. Back in the day, I was actually making a little bit of money. You know, I actually could buy a steak dinner. And I had a 38-foot cigarette. Why did I have a 38-foot cigarette? Because offshore boats were cool. I actually gave up cars for a while and got into boats. Now, as the joke goes, uh, you really want to throw your money away. The, the next, st- owning a boat is like standing over a toilet, a commode, and just peeling off $100 bills. And uh, I think boat stands for bring break another thousand. That's what somebody told me. What do you think about that, Tommy? Yeah, break out another thousand. Break out another thousand. <laughs> That's what it was. That's what boat stands for. So, but let me tell you something. When you're out there on the water and you're blasting along with about a thousand horsepower behind you, and you're in ten thousand pound boat, and you're whipping along there at sixty five miles, seventy miles an hour. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You know, the sound of twin engines back there. Not that I'm a big block Chevrolet guy, but I would have had Fords in it, but my boat had Chevys, big block rat motors in them. It's kind of cool. Um, anyway, back to Amelia Island. You know, they don't have boats there. Uh, I take that back. Once in a while, they bring a wooden boat out there or something like that to drag it, drag it behind a trailer. But uh, definitely be there at Amelia Island. That is cool. Uh, so the auction's pretty cool. Friday is the works reunion, which is for all us Porsche knuckleheads, you know, like uh, five, six hundred cars show up there, all Porsche guys, whether you got a 911, 386, 944, 928, maybe even a Taycan, you know, electric thing, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But lots and lots of Porsches. Saturday is the cars and coffee at uh, the Ritz Carlton. Now, I got to tell you, as far as cars and coffee goes, I've been to a lot of them. Probably the best one I've ever been to, the biggest one. I shouldn't say the best, but the biggest one I've ever been to is the one in Palm Beach. That one is just, like, overwhelming. It's huge, huge. And I'm talking, we're talking thousands and thousands of cars, I think. Uh, but in terms of um, in terms of variety, uh, the Cars and Coffee at uh, Amelia Island, which is put on by, sponsored by Haycock Insurance, our friends over there, uh, that's pretty cool. That is really, really, really cool. And, uh, and then, of course, the seminars that they have at... Uh, at Amelia Island are spectacular. Now, Roger Penske is the um, guest of honor, at uh, which pretty amazing guy. I was fortunate enough to meet him at the St. Pete Grand Prix many, many years ago, and I actually did an interview with Roger Penske. So um, pretty, pretty, you know, there's a guy that, uh, you know, one accomplishment after another. Probably the most winningest team owner that I can think of that, you know, started out as a race car guy. Actually started out with motorcycles and then went to hot rods and then went to sports cars. And then, you know, I think he actually raced Formula One at one point in time, I think one or two races. But, you know, he did a little of everything. So pretty amazing guy. So, and again, you know, it's like anything else. If you, you know, you can't clean your house unless you know how to use a broom. You know, or you can't tell people how to clean unless you've done it yourself. So it doesn't, you know, you got to start at the bottom, you got to work your way up. That's just the way it is. Right, Tommy? You can't be a successful radio host entrepreneur unless you've sat on your side of the board and you know how this whole thing works. Of course, I haven't done that, but I do know how the board works. So at least I can, I can, I can feel for you. I feel your pain, dummy. I feel your pain. <laughs> Having to put up with show hosts. Or of course, I'm actually probably pretty easy to work with, but there's a lot of times when... There's some guests that uh, some people that don't really understand how this all works. You got to understand the mechanics of it too. It's really important, you know. And Bobby was here, my son. You know, I mean, I learned a lot from him. I mean, I introduced him to it, but he took off with it pew, and uh, did just absolutely amazing. So, but Tommy is you're you're the greatest there, Tommy. You do a great job. And um, at any rate, uh, all right. So we got Amelia. We got the St. Pete Grand Prix. We got 12 hours Sebring. Uh, Moultrie was a couple weeks ago, but they canceled it because of bad weather. 
And that is one of my favorite swap meets in, down in the southeast because Daytona and the rest of them, you know, they just they a lot of these auction or these uh, swap meets got a little too commercial, and it's, the old stuff is drying up. You know, it's sad. But when you go to Moultrie for some strange reason, because it's like they're in Georgia, so you get all the guys from Carolina, from Alabama, from Tennessee, from Kentucky, from Virginia. They, they, there's still a ton of stuff there, and they drag it down. And they don't mind going there, and it's kind of a funny thing because it's like, uh, well, Florida's not really considered the South. And it's a southern boy thing, you know. And uh, so when you're in Moultrie, Georgia, you know, you're down there with the good old boys. You get to Florida, and they go, eh, you guys are just like a bunch of Yankees <laughs> and uh, crackers, you know. And uh, But, hey, you know, we've had some pretty cool stuff. Think about this. Sebring, the oldest racetrack in the world, or in the United States, apparently, at least the uh, oldest officially recognized one. Um, San Augustine, the oldest official recognized town in the United States, true. I think there's some validity to that. You know, I think that guy, that what was that dude's name? Ponce de Leon. <laughs> he was looking for the Fountain of Youth or something like that. He bumped into our shores. Um, in fact, I had this discussion with somebody the other day. We were talking about, well, who do you think uh, bumped into the North American continent first? Was it the Chinese or was it the Vikings? Well, the Vikings, I think, go back to what, 1100 B.C.? and Or, uh, yeah, no, A.D., after the death of Christ. And I think the Chinese dudes, they were, you know, floating their little armadas around. And then it was in 1492 when, when uh, the Nina the Pinta and the Santa Maria bumped into San Salvador, which really wasn't North America. It's kind of like uh, South America down there. It's kind of like the islands. And then uh, then there was this dude by the name of Amerigo Vespucci, and I think that's where the Americas come from, America. You know, So, you know, my history, you know, I joke about this all the time in the car world, is that I forgot more about this business and about cars and parts, because I used to be a walking parts book, than, I, than, than a lot of people know. And, and that's true for a lot of the older guys. I remember old guys used to tell me it all the time. Oh, I forgot more. You'll never know, boy. And, uh, you know, there's some truth to that. And so, you know, I mean, I should, be, I should know every nut, bolt, and washer on a Ford, but I forgot a lot of that stuff. But keep in mind, I had a junkyard, so I had to know Ford, Chevy, Chrysler, Volvos, Porsches, Volkswagens. Audis, Mercedes-Benz, and on and on and on. And on that note, I think, I think I should shut the heck up for a few minutes, and we should play like a song, and then maybe go to a commercial, and then bring our guest on the line. That would be the best thing to do. I think we should do that. Hey, here's a little, uh, this is the Beatles. Yeah, Ticket to Ride. Now, hey, it's George Harrison's birthday today, so we're going to play a little George Harrison a little bit later. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgia. We're going cars. Don't touch that dial. We will be right back. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. She's got a ticket to ride. She's got a ticket to ride. And she don't care. She said that living with me. sensitive, touching story about the close personal relationship between a man and a woman. Between a trucker and his dog. Fred, I'm so damn tired of picking you up. I got to Fred! Between a father and his son. No way that you could come from my loins. And how they all took to the road one day for a quiet little drive in the country. From Georgia to Texas and back in 28 hours flat with a truckload of bootleg beer. I'll be driving this one. Hey, uh, blocker, blocker. You'll be driving the truck. This is Bandit 1, and that is uh, Bandit 2. Mm-hmm. Now, who would do a thing like that? 
Sally Field, Jerry Reed, and Fred. We're going to really have to cook. I mean, put it on the back burner and let's cook. Is that a 10-4? 10-4. And the only thing that stands between them and an $80,000 prize, Jackie Gleason as Sheriff Buford T. Justice. i got a barbecue, y'all. Bandit, i got a smoky report for you. What's your handle, son? My handle is Smoky Bear, and I'm tail-grabbing your This is Smokey and the Bandit, the story about a lazy weekend in Alabama, Texas, Mississippi, Arkansas, Georgia. Daddy, the top came off. No. We ain't gonna make it, son. We come that far, ain't we? Look, when we say we're gonna do a job, we do a job. Smokey and the Bandit, proving once and for all, it's not where you're going to count, it's who the hell's in back of you. You've got to keep that trucking, just put that hammer down and give it here. Yo, Maniacs, Hulk Hogan here, the greatest of all times, and I want to let you know, you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and what you're going to do when they run wild on you, brother. Okay, we're back to tune in to Nostalgic Freedom Cars, and it's time to introduce my first guest for this evening. And Sterling's a car collector. He's got a couple movie cars, some interesting stuff, and a very rare movie boat. And uh, there's a there's a smoking and demanding connection there, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But in the meantime, I want to welcome uh, Dave Martino to the show. David, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Robert. It's a pleasure to be on your show. I've been a long-time listener. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So now, David, you got an interesting collection of cars. You have a thing for movie cars and or movie vehicles, movie objects. So, why don't you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about some of the cool stuff you got uh, stashed away, hiding? Yes, one of my favorites is the original Miami Vice number one filming boat from the hit TV series Miami Vice, driven by Don Johnson. Wow. Okay. So now that boat, my understanding is, in my recollection, that is a Scarab, 38-foot Scarab KV, correct? Yes, sir. Tell us a little bit about the boat. Go into detail a little bit about it and how you acquired the boat. Um, well, not to go into a long, drawn-out story, Reggie Fountain from Fountain Fire Boats helped me find the boat. It was uh. just a fluke. We were having dinner, and his friend owned the boat, and I was searching for it for four years, and... Next thing you know, it's in my driveway. Whoa, in your driveway. Well, go into detail. What did the boat look like when you got it? I'm sorry? What, go into detail. What was the boat like? Tell us the process a little bit. So, you know, like, lo and behold, it was in your driveway. But go kind of make a story here a little bit for us. You know, tell yes, us. Yes, well, I was searching for the boat for four years, and I was having dinner with Reggie Fountain in North Carolina. Reggie's with Fountain Power Boats. He's the president. Uh-huh. And I told Reggie that I've been looking for this boat, and I gave up. And he says, are you sitting down? And I said, well, I guess that's a bloke of my seat in. What am I in for? He says, well, my friend owns the boat, and he's having dinner with us. And, mm-hmm. I, and I thought he was joking. And next thing you know, um gentleman walks in, Greg, and first thing in my mouth, he really owned the Miami Vice boat? And he says, yes, this is my hangar next to my plane. And I said, do you want to sell it? And he says, no. So that made me want it even more. <laughs> so I basically bugged him for two, three years. And one day he said, Dave, you know what? I'm going to sell you the boat. I guess he got tired of me calling him. So persistence does pay off, I guess, in my case. Very good. So what kind of shape was the boat in when you got the boat? Oh, meticulous. It's a ground-up restoration boat. I mean, the boat looks like it just came off the showroom floor. Give us and- a so the boat was restored, and then how is the boat powered? What kind of engines are in it? Um, it has the increased horsepower. It has the original drivetrain, 
um, the TRS drives, um, the engines are increased to 650 horsepower. And the boat runs unbelievable. We have tons of video of the boat running on our website, iconicpremier.world. And they go on, they can get all the information on the whole entire collection we have. And so historically, the boat is the world's most iconic boat in the world. And, you know, it's a big part of history. And, you know, to have the most iconic boat in the world, I'm really like wake up every morning and people remind me all the time, do you know what you really have? And they refer to like the cars. Automobiles, there's tons of collector cars like the Batmobile and generally smoking and bandit. But with boats, there's only one. It's the Miami Vice boat. You know, it's in its own category. Well, this is true because if you stop and think about it, and you mentioned the, the smoking the bandit Firebird, the Trans Am, the, just as that car created a, a, a cultural phenomenon so did the miami vice boat a lot of people when they saw that boat i mean granted you're down there in south florida so offshore boats are kind of a common common occurrence down there but when the movie came out the tv show rather and that 38 kv which in my opinion was is an absolutely stunning stunning looking bar boat and the graphics are incredible on just perfect for the 80s perfect for miami that boat created a cultural phenomenon as well. People ran out. Offshore powerboat sales like quadrupled after that. Everybody had to have either a KV or a or a, 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 a cigarette or an Apache or or a Baja or something like that. I mean, and, and offshore powerboat clubs were popping up all over the place. Look at it today. Today they have you know offshore powerboat clubs are, are are still around and and the poker tours and all that stuff. So that boat is instrumental for all the. St- all the uh, the the uh, enthusiasm and and interest in those boats since then, really. Yeah, it sparked a phenomena for sure. And to this day, people recognize the boat from all over. It's an A-lifter, and basically, it was a character in the movie. Yes, it was. That's absolutely true. It was a character in the movie, exactly. No different than the Bandit was a character. In the movie Smoking the Band, the car. The car was a band, was a character, absolutely. Now tell us about some of the other movie cars, because you've got some stuff from Fast and the Furious and, 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 and other movies too, right? My understanding? Correct. Um, the Monte Carlo from Tokyo Drift. We have the original jump car. Okay. And that's one of my favorites. Um, we sent the car out to Dennis McCarthy. He built all the cars for Fast and Furious. And he went ahead and we just repowered it with, you know, the original power that came with the 400 short block and we put a thumper cam in it and it runs like a clock and it's just once you start it up people from all over turn their heads and they, they already swarm around it because it's you know recognizable vehicle from the fast and furious and it's a monte carlo and monte carlo in itself are popular then you had the fast and furious you had even have a Double whammy there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What and else? there's a video also of the Fast and Furious on IconicPremier.world. Okay. Now that's a website that has uh, features the boat and the and the Monte Carlo. Yes, there's several vehicles on there. What other vehicles do you have in your collection that are down there? Uh, um, well, I believe you're going to be speaking to Rick. Uh, Rick's involved with the original Bandit. Okay. And the first and only original bandit. And that's the story Rick can get into that. There's, I guess, a fallacy out there. RE-77 Trans Am are bandits. And rightfully so. Um, they borrowed the name from the original bandit. And, you know, so Rick could go into details how iconic and recognizable the 77 Trans Am is. And... So, you know, we're proud to have that part of our collection. And the Auto Week did articles on it. It's been documented. And so everything that you need to know about the car, again, is on the website, iconicpremier.world. It's a fascinating car. When we take photo shoots with it, people are yelling out the window, smoking a bandit, smoking a bandit. And we had the privilege to be with Burt Reynolds. And Burt Reynolds gave the blessing on this car. And he deemed it the first 
official first form bandit. And it was at his unveiling in Jonesboro, Georgia, when they had the 40th anniversary a reactment of his movie. His last act, his last reenactment, 40th anniversary, was in Jonesboro, and so the car was right on the front stage and was unveiled there. How Needham's wife was there, but Reynolds was there, and it's also on the video. It's quite interesting video. So I think people find it very interesting to go to the website. Because I can talk all night long, but when they actually see pictures and videos and documentaries that were made on this car, they would be very, I guess, entertained. Oh, yeah, and there's no question about that. Let me ask you this. Um, so you have these three very special vehicles, cars, boats. What else do you uh, – you seem like you have a knack for this to, uh, to kind of find – seek out or seek out hunt and find these very special cars what else, what are the cars who are like in your future dave what other vehicles are you looking to kind of uh acquire well i also we own the miami vice daytona it's the oh. very very last daytona ever built for the show carl roberts built it and this car was meant to be the replacement for the um filming car and unfortunately, Ferrari didn't like the fact they were using a car built outside of Ferrari. So they kind of said, look, stop using that, and they replaced it with the Testarossa. But we were lucky to get the very, very last Daytona built for Miami Vice, and which is a blessing. Um, it was sent out to be used for the show. It would have been basically demolished like the other two cars that are out there. So this car was well-preserved, and it was saved by the bell. Now, interestingly enough, now, on all three of these vehicles, or four of these vehicles, <clears throat> if someone's looking to buy movie vehicles or cars of these, uh, let's say, significance, what type of paperwork and documentation do you want to make sure you get with these vehicles, you know, to make sure that the real deal, just like with the Daytona, you know, the replica of it, just like with the Miami Vice boat, just like with the, uh, with the, with the Burt Reynolds Bandit, and just like with the Monte Carlo. I mean, you have to get paperwork and lineage, history, you know, paperwork tracking the car back to, like, its roots, its origin, right? Absolutely. Yeah, well, the movie cars are pretty straightforward. You get a certificate or some kind of document from the builder or the studios. And the Miami Vice boat, um, we have a certificate from Wellcraft, and the serial number confirmed was the boat used, the number one filming boat. Then um, when you buy non-movie cars, of course, you have to get, you know, certificates of authenticity on them, like on a 69 Camaro that had factory dual quads that were put on by the dealer. You want to have the receipt that the dealer had it in. So there's a lot of people that say a lot of things about cars, but if they don't have documentation on it, then it's just hearsay. Okay. Dave, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and give uh, Rick a call here. So what we're going to do, we're going to go to a commercial break real quick. Don't go away because I want to keep you on the show. We're going to talk a little bit more, and we're going to get into the Bandit uh, Trans Am. How about that? Perfect. Give me a popcorn break. Okay, give me a popcorn break. All right. Hey, Tommy, go ahead and roll the uh, next song real quick. Let's get Rick on the show for us. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Freedom Cars. Here's a little George Harrison while my guitar gently weeps.
Come enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Okay, we're back. You tune into Nostalgia Radio Cars. It's time to reintroduce our uh, second guest for the evening. This gentleman is a friend of mine as well. Rick Dieter is founder and owner of Trans Am Specialties in South Florida. Now, if you want a Trans Am, we're talking all the Trans Ams ever made on the planet. Uh, Rick is the guy that has all your questions and desires and answers and parts and projects and anything associated with Trans Am. He is the Trans Am guru of the good old USA. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Rick Dieter. Rick, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Robert. Thanks for the invitation to your show. Sure, sure. David's on the show. Say hi to Dave. He's still on the other line. Oh, hey, hey David. <laughs> so every so it's all three of us. We're all friends. We all know each other. But uh, David, why don't you go ahead and tell? I mean, Rick, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about Trans Am Specialties, real quick? Well, Trans Am Specialties uh, is basically a, a shop that specializes in a trans, second generation Trans Ams, which uh, they go from 1970 through 1981. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is basically something that was born out of my passion for the car. And uh, and because of the movie Smokey and the Bandit, and this is this is a movie that I mean, unless you lived under a rock, you did you did not miss this movie in 1977. I, I was a, like 11 years old uh, when the movie came out, and I was in Italy. Go figure. Huh. And I saw the movie in this small theater on my mom's town, and it, it was like a lightning hit me. It was like I mean, I can't I can't believe such a beautiful car exists. So. Uh, but after so many years collecting Trans Ams, um, personally, the idea of restoring Trans Ams for other people was almost inevitable, and that's how the company was created. It was a hobby-type thing, and then through an evolution through years, it became like a small business and it started growing, and, and that's what it is today. We uh, basically uh, love these cars and restore them, trade them, sell them, sell parts, uh, everything related to the car. Excellent. Okay, now, tell us a little bit about this. Now, you, how long has Trans Am Specials been around? Uh, the company was created in the early 2000s. Okay. Um, but it formally start operating in Florida, because initially we, I opened up the company with a friend up in a small town in Ohio, uh, and, I, and, and I lived here uh, before that, so... I was basically like an investor uh, and looking at what was being done through the internet. But as you know, the years progressed, I wanted to do it like personally, be involved. And I opened up a little branch of that company on a small warehouse in Miami. Um, and from that moment, which was probably around 2000, 2003 or four, uh, it exploded. I mean, Literally, I had people calling from all over the world wanting to have their car restored uh, back to new condition. And, you know, I assembled a team of people, you know, painters and mechanics and this and that. And uh, we were basically one day to the other, we were building cars for people, you know. Now, the Trans Am, the Pontiac Trans Am is based off the Firebird. So if somebody has a Pontiac Firebird Trans Am formula and they're 
it's a rough edgy car and they need parts for it parts availability for firebirds particularly second gen camaro firebirds and camaros actually uh and some stuff does interchange but the parts are available correct there's no shortage of parts yeah i mean if you if you uh, go back 20 years it was all very difficult because no no one was restoring trans amps or firebirds they were not considered um, i went to car shows people talk used to tell me these cars are not collectible people were focused on like um the uh corvette and were and the and the mustangs and the mopars and the transit was considered like you know uh, like the black sheep not impo- not a muscle car per se but you can't forget the iconic uh uh position this car achieved in the late 70s after the movie smoke and the bandit was released uh, this this car was actually one, considered one of the uh, um, stars of in the movie, and uh, and and again, uh, it, unless you live on a rock, I mean, you know, the movie and the car. Now that brings us to the very first, the 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 special car that we're going to be talking about a few minutes ago is kind of like the very first '77 Trans Am that started life out as a '76 car. It was a promotional car for for. Fire Pontiac General Motors in California, and I know uh, Smoke Signals did a special feature on this car, and we had Scott Scherer on a number a few years ago talking about this car. But why don't you go ahead and share the story about the very first, the original, the original Bandit Firebird Trans Am? Well, yeah, it's interesting because all, this all started with with David's mother. You know, she basically uh, asked him to track down a real bandit car, like from the movie, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 uh, and unfortunately, uh, the, the search ended learning that there weren't any left. So basically almost they completely gave up on it, but, uh, they came across this car, uh, that you were talking about. Uh, and I think she found it somewhere in Virginia and it was this 76 car that, uh, uh Apparently, it was one of the first black special editions made. Um, uh, you, you have to know that Pontiac had not made any black Trans Ams until 1976. And uh, the special editions that were uh, launched in 76, uh, based on the obsession of one of uh, the Pontiac guys, Bill Mitchell, um, uh, based on his affection for the John Player special Formula One cars, um, basically... Um, uh, it came out uh, as a real car in 1976. Now, this particular car looks to be the earliest production number for a uh, uh, black special edition with a 455 engine and a four-speed. And the the, the whole story uh, was unknown until then because, you know, when, when, when uh, David bought the car and asked uh, Planet Historic Service for, uh, about, you know, the paperwork, and, and the options in the car and all that, they told him, well, this is possibly the first one ever made. And there's a rumor that this car was a demo car from Pontiac, and it was used uh, uh, to like build a prototype or a model to be photographed and then used a, as a model for the brochure uh, f- uh, for the Pontiac catalog that uh, had it had to be printed in 1976, the year before the 77 cars came into production. Well, all these was uh, basically a, a rumor, but uh, uh, when the Smoke Signals magazine was involved, they really went ahead and did an investigation about it. And they actually found the people involved in the project. I, I think one of the people uh, was John Callis. Uh, he, he, he was one of the, the persons in charge of marketing in the Van Nuys plant. Uh, uh, working for Pontiac, and uh, um, they needed uh, they needed to either make a '73 car in black, which was the first time they made, they they did one of these cars was '73, or take a recent model and retrofit it and make it look like the the new '77 uh, um, uh, car that had a different nose and a re-stamped hood and uh, different wheels, etc. Uh, it, well, it happens that this is the car. This is the car that they took, retrofit, photographed, and printed the image of the car in this uh, uh, brochure. And this brochure ended in Burt Reynolds' hands. 
uh, at some point. He told me that because I I presented this card uh, to Burt Reynolds in a, in a, in an event that took place in uh, in Key West, and uh, basically uh, they decided to use the card because th- this picture. So um, it's so interesting and so powerful because n- not having this car ready or available back in the day to be photographed, it might not made it to the brochure. And who knows? Maybe they would have chosen a different car for the movie. That's important. So there were. F- this is the car, the car that Burt Reynolds and Hal Needham saw in a brochure or in a magazine that inspired them to select this car for the movie for the upcoming Smoking and the Bandit. So this is the star car, the actual car that created the Smoking and the Bandit phenomenon, correct? Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, um, back in 76, uh, uh, the production of 77 models was set like for September of 76. They had to print the brochure before that. Mm-hmm. And they needed a car with T-tops. Uh, unfortunately, uh, as I, my, research, my personal research, I found that at some point during 1976, they wanted to like um, rule unsafe all cars with convertible tops, T-tops, etc. They wanted to pass a bill and just say no more of these cars. But it didn't happen. At that point, they needed they needed to have a car with T-tops to photograph, and they only had few parts that are, that, that were presented by the providers um, that uh, sold parts to Pontiac Division. And it was a brilliant idea to take this car because essentially a 76 Trans Am uh, uh, body-wise uh, uh, is identical. Uh, the T-tops were the same because they used uh, uh, T-tops designed by, the, by, by Hearst Performance Company uh, uh, from 76 until mid-78. And the, 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 the side, you know, if you see the car from the, from, from the rear, it's identical as well. So... By just changing the hood, the shaker, the front nose, and put the snowflake wheels, they had a car that looked identical to the car they were prepared to produce two or three months after the uh, printing of the brochure. So this car was very important because it was a demo car that was sitting on a, on a dealer in California. And um, uh, as I understand, the, that car supposed to be sent back to the factory to be uh, scraped, basically eliminated. Mm. And someone entered the, the, the dealership looking for a, a Trans Am with a 455 engine. By the way, 1976 is the last year that Pontiac offered that engine. They killed the 455 in 1976. So the manager told him, we don't have 1977 cars with 455s anymore. Uh, the, the, the ones that you can get now, they have... A, they, come with a 400 Pontiac, which is a 6.6 liter. said, no, but you have one. I saw it. It's in the back of, of the building. And uh, he insisted so much that they decided to sell the car to a guy for over $7,000. Wow. That's the car that David found 40 years later. And he brought the car to me, and we started doing all this, you know, uh, investigation, and now we know that this car is responsible for the bandit car being Trans Am and not a Mustang or a Corvette or a Charger or whatever. Because they could have chosen any other car, but they, this is the car. Correct so, me if I'm wrong, David. David, yeah, you can, we got about a minute or so. You can put your two cents yeah, in. Yeah, that's right. Rick, you're 100% right. And also, it's the very first known 76, the very first 77 SE all. And it's the only one with a 455, and it's right, never been intended to be. One. This is, they, this, they didn't really build one for the for 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 the, for the uh, uh, to sell. They, they, this is like the only one that oh, Pontiac yeah, this put is together. The, this is Pontiac's best kept secret. If Pontiac had a hidden treasure chest and you opened it up, this car would float to the surface. Now right, the other, right, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if this this car if one day goes for sale. I mean, some smart person will understand the, the historical importance of this vehicle. We also, Absolutely. We also want to emphasize that none of the cars that were used in the movie 
survived. They were all destroyed, correct? Because they built four pilot cars for that movie, pre-production cars that were all used, all destroyed. And then this is the only one that was not used in the movie, but this is the car that cre- that inspired the car used in the movie. And Burt Reynolds himself said that this is the firstborn bandit. Am I correct on that, gentlemen? Yes, the original firstborn bandit. This is the original bandit. There's no other well, yeah. bandit really out there. This is it. Yeah, Burt Reynolds himself baptized the car firstborn bandit. He said, if it wasn't for this car, we would have chosen a different car. So go figure. I mean, it, that, you can't beat that. I mean, from the historical point of view, you can't uh, try to top that off. That's well, this a- car is an exception of every rule. This car is, in our opinion, on another level higher than a movie car. Yes, and- we- exactly. And then, like you said, David, it's the first known 455 four-speed Trans Am S-E-L-E. It's the the promotional car and the first car that was converted to pilot car for the 77 and the car was used in the, you know, the car that promoted the, the ones used in the movie, the Smoking Bandit Black and Gold Special Edition cars. So that's a trifecta. I think that's your own words, right, David? Yes, sir. And you can go on the website, Iconic Premiere, and see the videos of Burt Reynolds baptizing the, the original Bandit. This is the only, this is the original Bandit. There is no other Bandit's. This is the creator of all. Wow, the father of Bandit. Late. Hey, guys, we are up against the clock. Rick, I want to thank you very much for taking some time out and hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio Cars. David, thank you very much. You did a great job. Both you guys, super, super, super good. I mean, you guys could use this as a documentary in itself. I mean, this is a great show. I want to thank you guys. Now, if they want to find out more about this car, name the website that they can go to to find out about this car. Iconic Premier dot world or you can contact Rick Dieters at Trans Am Specialties of Miami. His number is seven eight six two one eight one seven eight three. Wow, that's super. Six three six three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll just see if you're Have awake. A good Rick. night, gentlemen. All right, David, thank you very much. Rick, thank you very much. Hey, all my listeners, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Tantalk Radio Network between 7 and 8 p.m. for the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports right here. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreetMotorsports.com. We can find out all about us. Don't forget to check out our past shows, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget to follow us on our social media. Nostalgic Radio and Cars on Facebook. We're on Gulf Street Motorsports on Facebook. We're on Instagram, I think Twitter as well. Don't forget, we got these shows coming up. Amelia Island next week. St. Pete Grand Prix the week after that. 12 hours of Sebring the week after that. We got some exciting stuff going on. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.